All right, you ready for the Word? Amen, amen, and amen, and amen. Praise God. So we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We've been through several messages now. We have several more to go, right? So I know this is a long series. We don't usually do more than five, six, seven messages. This will be more like 12. But uh, have you been okay with this? Has it been okay? Okay, awesome, 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 awesome. The last thing I want to do is just waste your time. But these, <laughs> these are the words of Jesus, so how can they be wasted, right? Very words of Jesus. And I mentioned, you know, in the very first sermon, that, that uh, the Sermon on the Mount, this, is, this was the curriculum that they used in these words to train new converts. So it's, it's very important that we get these foundations. Now, uh, we survived last week. I mean, you came back. I mean, anytime your preacher preaches on lust, adultery, and divorce, all in one message, and you come back, that's pretty much Jesus. Amen. Pretty much, pretty much Jesus. I got five people clapping, so there we go. So, but now, now, you know, Jesus is not only messing with that, but now he's going to get in your pocketbook, okay? Uh, the title of this message is, What About My Stuff? And, and I, th- I think you would agree with me that this is probably the first generation in the history of the planet to ever own this much stuff. Think about it. Six, seven thousand years of history of man, we've never had a generation. Even wealthy people, I don't think, had this much stuff. They had expensive stuff. I don't know they had this much stuff because we have so much more to buy and purchase and so much available to us. But here's the funny thing about it. You would think that people would be more charitable if they had more stuff. Thank you, Will. I appreciate that amen. They, they've, done, they've done all kinds of statistics on this over the years, and, they, and it always comes out the same. That, percent, that, that people who have very little tend to give more than people who have a lot. Very true. And, and we see that time and time and time and time again. And why is that? And I, I, think, I think one of the reasons for that is that the more stuff we have, the more worried we are we're going to lose it. The more worried we get that you know, the more concern we have, and the more we have to invest in keeping it. So when you have a lot of stuff, you know, people say, oh, if I were a millionaire, I'd just be happy. No, you'd be stressed. People, with the more money we have, it's a generalization, but generally, you know, of course, some people thrive off it, but they're stressed too, but they're thriving off the stress. But, but, but the more we have, the more we worry about you know, because you could lose it overnight or something can happen. And, and so, so there's this constant stress and worry. And, and the bottom line is when you have a lot of stuff, you tend to want to hang on to it even more instead of being willing to give away more. Now, obviously, there's exceptions. Some people have figured this out. But, but most people have not. I read the story about, about uh, uh, Bertha Adams. Um, she, she died on Easter Sunday down in, down in Florida, West Palm Beach, in, on, 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 a sun, on Easter Sunday in 1976. She died from malnutrition. They found her. She, was, she weighed 50 pounds. 
She spent, she spent most of her, she was a widow, she spent most of those years begging food from people on the street. She went to the Salvation Army and got all of her clothes free. And, um, and when, they, when they went into her house, they said it was just a pigsty is the best way to, to it was just a horrible, horrible, stinking mess. Uh, junk scattered everywhere. It, it was just, it was just bad, and and they just figured this poor woman. She didn't know anyone. She was all alone, and didn't have any money, and she just died in that wretched state. And then they found two keys to safe deposit boxes at the local bank, and they went down to the bank and they opened up, and she had eight hundred thousand dollars in cash. And another well over two hundred thousand in stocks and bonds and securities there, but she died weighing fifty pounds. She basically starved to death. What is it that we got everything and yet we won't? We're just not willing. We're just such fear anymore of letting anything go. And the more we have, the more we hang on to it. Because there's that fear, you know, I, you know it's, a, it's a spirit of poverty is what it really is. And we just have that, that fear that if I let it go, I won't have enough. Am I going to have enough tomorrow? I, I got a standard of living I have to maintain, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. You know, and Jesus comes along, and he just says, where is your treasure? Where is your heart at? What about your stuff? What do we do about it? Hmm. And before he gets into it in further detail, he gets into it Matthew 6, verse 1, and, and he answers, he wants to answer the question, what is your motive when it comes to work, when it comes to your stuff, when it comes to your money? Amen? What, what's, what's, your, what's your motive? So it begins in verse, four, verse 1, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, therefore... When you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet. I think that's where that saying came from, don't blow your own horn. Before you, as the hypocrites do, Yikes. in the synagogues and in the streets, that, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So anything you do, anything you give, anything you share, there is a reward. But where are you getting it from is the motive. Are you getting the reward from men, or is it going to come from where? God, verse 2. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. If you figure that out, let me know how you do that. Remember I said last week that Jesus tends to say things that are shocking. And I think he's trying to shock us into this, that when, when it comes to motive, you, you have to be, I mean, if you have to, if you have to, if you can get it down to where even your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing, just get it down to where, I mean, if you have to, just don't tell anyone you're doing anything. If that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do to make sure you're not getting praises from men. Now, he's not saying it's wrong to get praises from men. He's saying it's wrong if that's your motive. 
Because if that's your motive, then you get your reward from them, you're done. You're done. There's, there's nothing else up there uh, 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 for you. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 4 says that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So I guess people find out eventually. <laughs> but they find out after you got your rewards stored up in heaven. I think what Jesus is saying is all of us have a bank account in heaven. Yes, you do. There is a bank account in heaven. I, I wish we had one of those little passbook. Remember those little books they give you, and you, you have to be old. Linda's back. I remember those. I, I was watching, uh, I was, I was watching uh, uh, Andy Griffith the other day, and he brought out his little book. It's no bigger than this. And he opened it up, and he says, man, that, that's a pathetic savings account. And, and, and so we used to open that little book, and we'd keep track of our deposits and, you know, the little thing. Now, well, now they have checkbooks. It's a little more fancy, or most of us, it's called a computer, right? Just pay things like that. Money comes and goes. We don't even see it. Well, I never did see it. I'm just saying. So the question is, when you do something good, a deposit is made either in heaven's checkbook, heaven's account, or you get it down here. Now, I want to encourage you because there is a big difference between the two because the one you get down here comes, goes, gone. The one you get in heaven, you get to enjoy for an eternity. Talk about compound interest. You get to enjoy that forever, but if you get your reward down here, you don't get one up there. So that's what your motive is. That's, you know, all about your stuff and making sure you don't blow your own horn. And, you know, and, and, but, but he's, listen, let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying it's wrong to save. He's not saying it's wrong to plan for the future. Uh, maybe you're, you know, getting ready for retirement, you know, or you want to save for your kids' uh, college. You know, there's nothing wrong with being wise, being smart about money. Amen? He told us to be wise when it comes to the things of the world. There's nothing wrong with that. What he's talking about is hoarding. What he's talking about is this woman who just hoarded this money, and how many know that's where her heart is, to the point where she died <laughs> because her heart was there? How many know she didn't take it with her? There's never a trailer behind a hearse. Bless you. It just doesn't work that way. So, so, so how, does, how does good works uh, work? You know, uh, in, uh, let's just skip down to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm just going to skip down to there. He says, you know, Paul talks about having a foundation under us, none other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, Right? But watch what he says about how this thing works about rewards. For if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. See, see listen, and by the way, when it comes to 
when it comes to getting a reward, we're not talking about your salvation. I don't care how many good works you do, you can't receive salvation. It can't be bought. So a lot of people say, well, I just won't do good works because, you know, that's not going to get me into heaven. But there's more to, getting, there's more to this than getting to heaven. It's, it's about being Christ-like. It's about giving back. It's about giving to others because he gave to us. It's about living the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. And, and, and by the way, you, you are rewarded for that in heaven, but first of all, you have to get to heaven. <laughs> and that's, that's only done through the blood of Jesus Christ. So you, you need to do good works, but do them for the right reasons. So he says, one's work will become clear for the day, capital D, judgment day, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So if I can go into your mind's eye, what what we're talking about is you take all your works with you when you die. Every good deed you ever did and you're going to go through a fire hoop, (laughs) I guess. You're going to walk through the fire, and everything you got credit for down here gets burned up. It doesn't go with you. But if you send it on ahead, oh, come on, church. If you send it on ahead, it survives the fire, and you get to keep it for all eternity. Does that help anybody? that's That's what it is. And if you get credit down here, it gets burned up. On the judgment day, when we talk about judgment day, that's not so much about salvation. Listen, when you die, that's your judgment day. (laughs) When you die, you'll either be in the presence of the Lord or in that other place. Are you following what I'm saying? How many still believe there's a heaven and a hell? So we, when we die, we're already judged. So what's the judgment on the final day, uh, separating the final separation of the sheep and the goats and all that? But uh, it's, about, it's about you're judged according to your works. Listen, works are very important. But it's important that you do them right, with the right motive, with the right heart. Are, is anyone following what I'm saying? I mean, look, look back. We already preached Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It talks about this. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. There's nothing wrong with people seeing your good works as long as they're glorifying your Father in heaven. So they can see you get the reward if he's getting the glory. But if you're getting the glory, it's still a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. Hmm? But you don't get any credit. No extra credit. No credit for you. Are you following what I'm saying? So that was your motive. Now Jesus goes into your priorities. Matthew 6, uh, verse 19 through 21. Watch this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, right? Don't, don't just, de- listen, if you deposit into the earthly checking account, that. That's good, that's fine, but that's not going to last. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
So he's mentioning three different areas here. First, he says, where moth, he's talking about your clothing. Hello? You know, back then, most people had one or two sets of clothes. They washed one, wore one. Sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't wash like we wash nowadays. Can I get an idea? Uh, nowadays, we don't have enough closets. We, have, we don't have closets anymore. We have rooms. We have whole rooms <laughs> that you, they're called walk-in closets. They're literally another bedroom that you go in and you, got to, and you walk in there and say, I ain't got a thing to wear. <laughs> Hello. How many have been there done that? I know you're blaming someone else, but you've done that. And, and, and we got this thing called mothballs. We keep the malls away. But you understand the principle. Clothes don't last forever. Of course, they do for us because we have so many. We only wear one thing a year, so there's, there's that. But where, where, where moth, okay, uh, where moths can't destroy your clothing and rust destroy that, the Greek word there really means spoil. Things spoil. So it's, it's really talking about food. How many know that food will spoil? Mm -hmm. Food doesn't last forever. Of course, now they put so many, so much, <laughs> so many chemicals in it. They say, they say that you, don't, you don't even have to. They say they don't. I don't know if it's true. They say we don't even need to embalm bodies anymore because there's enough Twinkies in us. There are so many chemicals in our bodies now, they don't even need to embalm. What are you having for lunch? Twinkies. All right. Well, just let it go, sister. Let it go. Now I don't even know where I was. Rust, spoil, food, spoils. I could tell you more stories. I'm going to behave. And where thieves break in. So it's talking about your clothing, it's talking about your food, and it's talking about your money. And back then, they didn't have banks, right? You know where you, I mean, banks weren't invented to the Middle Ages. So, so if you had any money, what did you do with it? You, you, kind of, you buried it in, your, in the floor of your house or in the yard or somewhere. So anyone that wants to steal knows where to go. And, and, and it's easy to get through those little mud houses, right? You know, they, they bake clay, and, you, I mean, you just tear through it, go in. You know it's down in the floor somewhere. I mean, it's, it's just, it was just a lot. E Listen, clothes didn't last like they last. Food didn't last like it lasts. And money didn't last, you know, like it lasts now. You could easily lose it and, and probably didn't have that much anyway. But he says, listen, why invest down here in stuff you can lose Stuff you will lose when you can invest in heaven and you will never, never lose it. Can I? So, where are We have a couple more verses. I'm sorry. Y'all praying for me. Next verse. Is there another verse? Yeah, verse 21. For most important verse. Thank you, David. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. Now, we read that scripture and say, oh, my heart's with the Lord. But let me ask you some questions. Let me ask you some questions. Number one, what occupies your thoughts throughout the day? What do you think about? If all you think about is your stuff, well, thank you for that one amen. 
I don't know where it came from. It's probably a poor person. I don't know. Number two, what do you fret about? Young people, do you still use that word? Oh, we got one that uses fret. She's an old. What, what, do you, what do you fret about? What do you worry about? I wonder if we kept a journal of these things, which Jesus does. I wonder, you know, what our list of things we worry about are. Because where your heart is, that's where your worry is. <laughs> that's where your concern is, if you don't like the word worry. Here's another one. What are you afraid of losing? How about this one? How do you measure other people's worth? How do you size them up? Do you, do you judge? Do you weigh them by their clothes or their car or their house? Or is that how you weigh people? Where's your heart? Where's your heart? How about this last one? What can't you be happy without? Is there something that if you lost it, you could not be happy. This is not just an amen moment. It's a yikes moment. If we're not thinking about it, it's because our heart's probably with the junk, with the stuff. It's with the stuff. So let me get to this. So your motive, your priorities, now Jesus wants to know what the goal is. Matthew 6, 24. What's the goal? And He says this, no one can serve two for either he will hate the one and love the other, or hate both of them, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot serve God. And literally that word right there is the spirit of mammon. Mammon is not a thing. Listen, money is neither good nor bad. It's the spirit behind it. We need to consecrate. You know what? The best way to get the oh, the best way to get rid of the spirit of mammon is to tithe your belongings. That's a good amen. Come on, church. That that's a, that was a Holy Ghost download right here. The best way, because when you give 10%, the 90 is sanctified. Tithing drives off the spirit of mammon. I don't know if I've ever said that before, but you're getting it first right here. Come on, church. The spirit of mammon. We will either serve one or the other. You, you, can't, you can't have two masters because they're going to want different things. It, it's like it's like it's like being married to two women. It, you, yeah, same reaction in the first service. <laughs> this is where I lost all the ladies. Now, ladies, you know I pick on the men a lot more. Amen. <laughs> Amen. This is our moment, Will. This is our moment. <laughs> and I'm not speaking from experience, of course. An old farmer came rushing in one day, one morning, and he was all happy. He told his wife that, that uh, old Betsy, uh, that's the cow, not the wife, o old Betsy just birthed 
twin calves, a white one and a red one. Oh, he was overjoyed. And he said, I, I just felt in my spirit that we, we need to, you know, raise them up. And when it comes time to sell them, when it comes time to sell them, we're going we're gonna to sell them both and we're going to sell one and give the money to the Lord. And we're going to sell the other one and we're going to keep that money. And his wife said, well, which one are you going to give? He said, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll decide when, when the time's right. A few months later, he comes in all dejected. What's the matter? He said, one of the calves died. One of the calves died. Then she thought about his promise. She said, well, which one died? Uh, the Lord's calf died. <laughs> How many times did the Lord's calf die? When, we're, when we have to make a choice between mm, that new TV and paying my tithes or this or that or, <coughs> or giving my, you know, my promise. And do I go on vacation or do I spend or do I give what I said I'd give? How many times has the Lord's calf died and we got what we wanted? That's where your heart is. I said, that's where your heart is. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Let me just read through these last few verses. I'll try not to comment too much. If you'll pray and believe for a miracle. Matthew 6, verse 25. Thank you. I can't read it with that background. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Don't you remember that old, don't you love that old song, Don't Worry, Be Happy? It's going through my head. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? By the way, people back then asked those questions literally every day. Where's my food coming from today? Do I have anything to wear? Literally, do I have anything to wear? Am I, am I going to be able to pay the tax man? Am I going to? We don't ask those questions anymore. When we say, what am I going to eat? It doesn't mean we don't have anything to eat. One of our sisters this morning, she said, I'm taking this social distancing very seriously. I'm social distancing my husband. She said, I'm social distancing my vacuum cleaner. The mop. He said, I'm social distancing everything except the refrigerator. I'm sticking close to that. Wow. Wow. It's funny. They asked those questions literally because they didn't have running water. They didn't have a grocery store as we know it today. How much more should we not be asking those questions? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Do you ever think about that? God takes care of birds. And are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Come on, short people. 
Yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> you can't add one, one strand of hair. Bald people. Who else can I pick on? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. And yet, if I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, we probably dress better than Solomon nowadays. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you Oh, you of little. Doesn't it always come down to faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Mm -hmm. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, the Jews too. (laughs) For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He's not saying these things are not important. He knows you need them. That's good to know. He doesn't want you to live some, some you know, really bad, poverty-stricken life. He knows you need them. But watch this. But seek first. Seek first. Priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God. He, he didn't just say God. He said seek the kingdom of God. In other words, seek the will of God. Yes, seek Him, but seek His will. Put Him first, in other words, and His righteousness. Live right. And all, say all, all these things shall be added to you. Not necessarily all your wants, but I believe He'll take care of your needs. And some of you are just spoiled. And he gives you your want, your needs, your wants too, doesn't he? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Amen. That, that's that old saying, you can't worry about things you can't control. Good advice? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 